Welcome to week one of a series we're calling Seeds. And in this series, what we're going to look at is the idea that if you want your tomorrows to be better, you can start today. Start today. Say that, start today. Tomorrow starts today. Your Sunday started on Saturday. Your Monday starts on Sunday. And we've got to get this idea that God wants to do some things in us. And if we'll understand the principles I'm going to share in this series, I believe you're going, to, you're going to reframe your thinking about a lot of things in life. And so my goal is in this series is to help you sow some seeds that will result in an eternal reward for you and for others. That you'll, you'll, it's not, it, will make your, it will make your life better, but it will then make your life better. So I want to begin in just a moment with one of God's incredible promises. But before I do, I want to encourage you to be here next week. And I know it's spring break, and I know it's set the clocks ahead, spring forward, weekend, and all of that. But I want to challenge you to be here because I'm working on a message that's going to talk about some things that I think you'll be very interested in, including where we are, what's going on in the world, where, we're gonna, where we'll probably end up in this decade, some things about that and what we can do today, okay, and, and to, to seed in for the future. And so I just encourage you to be here next week and, and pray that it all comes together. I'm, I'm working on some stuff, and you know, I don't, if, you ever, if you've ever put together a message, it's, it's almost like, you know, I always say it this way, it's kind of like wrestling a bear in a cave. And, uh, you know, it's just tight quarters, and you kind of kind of wrestle that thing down to where you want it to be, where God wants it to be. That's what you're hoping for, right, and praying for. And so pray for your pastor, because um, some, th- some of these are a wrestling match. Amen. <laughs> but I love, I love this verse in Genesis 8.22. It's been a longtime favorite of mine. While the earth remains, seed time and what? Harvest. Cold and heat. Winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. It's just going to be there over and over again. Now, I want you to notice for the purpose of this series, this little phrase, seed time and what? Harvest. Seed time and harvest. So after the flood, God called Noah out and he said, hey, as long as the earth remains, there is going to be seed time and harvest. You can count on it. If, if, if you're on the earth, there's going to be seed time and harvest. You can count on it. And it affects every area of life. Pastor, why is that such a great promise? Because sowing always results in a harvest. Putting something in the ground. Not S-E-W-O-I-N-G. It's S-O-W-I-N-G. Amen? We're not, we're not sowing. We're planting. We're seeding. We're putting things in the ground. And the opposite is also true. If you fail to plant seeds, you can guarantee you will not have a harvest. We don't have time to get into it today, and I may cover it in another message, but just let me say, there's some seeds you want to sow, and there's some seeds you don't want to sow. I never wanted to sow my wild oats because I didn't want my wild oats harvest. Come on now. Yeah, somebody says, no, I don't want that. Mm Mm-mm. I want a better harvest than that. Amen? So, so let's look at sowing is so important. Now, if, if you're not a farmer, you're not, you say, I'm not a gardener. This isn't, I, just doesn't mean much to me. Why, why does it matter? I mean, half of you think that green beans come from the can at the store, right? And it just kind of showed up there and, you know. Um, but but it took a, took a lot to get it there, right? 
And, uh, and so the principles of sowing and reaping are significant in the Bible. I want you to consider this verse here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So when we give into the desire of the flesh, the sinful, there's going to be a harvest. And can I just tell you, you already know this, you ain't going to like it. It's not going to be the one you wanted, right? And so when we, just think about it, when you, when you don't invest in your spouse, you're going to reap a harvest of a deteriorating marriage, right? When you don't spend relational time with your kids, you're going to reap a harvest of distance and disconnection. So wherever we do not sow, we will not see the right harvest. So if we don't sow the seed of reading God's word, investing time in prayer, attending church, worship, we're not going to see a harvest of closeness with God. It just, it just won't, won't be there. So if you don't sow the seed of bringing your family to church, you're not going to see the seed. Y'all are doing it, so I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to everybody else. But you won't, see, you won't harvest a harvest of the, your kids wanting to come to church. That's a whole other subject. I'm not going there. Let me just go a little further. When you don't sow the seed of giving financially to God, you'll not see the harvest of peace and financial blessing in your life. It's very difficult. So, but when we sow to the seeds of the Spirit, we reap an everlasting life of harvest from the Spirit. Amen? So, we can live by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We have love, we have joy, we have peace. And here's the word that's been in my heart this week, and maybe somebody needs to hear, hope. When you're living according to the Spirit, you'll have hope. And life will be sweeter. It'll be richer with the right friends. You'll, just, you'll have sown the right things, and it'll, it'll get better. Is life hard? Yes. But the Spirit produces life. He produces life. So, so why don't we sow intentionally? I mean, all of us are sowing whether we reap it or not or whether we realize it or not, and we're re- reaping a harvest like, wow, where did that come from? But how about if we sow intentionally? But what keeps us from sowing intentionally? Here's the first one, poor conditions. Poor conditions. Proverbs 20 verse 4 says, those too lazy to plow. Just y'all tuck your feet up underneath those seats. I'll probably be walking on them this morning. <laughs> those too lazy to plow in the right season will have no food in the harvest. Amen. See, the, the conditions are rarely ideal to sow seeds of the Spirit. We don't feel like it. We don't want to. We're too tired to read our Bibles. Come on. We, we, it's just too much work to get the family to church. You don't know my kids. I know kids. They're all work. All right? They're cute as can be, but they're all work. All right? And so, so what happens is if you give in to this laziness, there's always going to be an excuse to preparing and getting ready to sow the right things. 
There's always going to be that, that excuse. Recently, our family decided to, um, to grow a family garden. Like my kids and I and Kim, we're all going to be in this garden together. Wow, doesn't that sound amazing? Amen. And so, so we we decided to plant a raised, build a raised bed. And so we built this this raised bed, and and uh, we were getting trying to figure out when we were going to do it. And the only time that worked was the first Saturday in February. Everybody had all this schedule conflict. Well, you don't remember the first Saturday in February probably very clearly. But we, we started at noon, and we didn't sit down on that Saturday. I got inside at 1019. And I don't know if you know that day. It was, it was in the 40s before we got in, in, inside. And we, we built a, a four-foot-wide, 30-foot-long bed. Now if we get something in it, we'll see what happens. <laughs> It would have been so easy to postpone that. That's too cold. We're tired. And especially for me, because I don't like doing that kind of stuff on Saturdays because Saturday has a lot to do with Sunday for me. And I, I need my energy on Sunday, but I said, God, we got to do it. You're going to have to help me. He did. Worked out fine. Amen. And so here's, here's what happens in our families. When, when are your kids ready to share their hearts? About 11 o'clock at night when you're exhausted and you got to get up at 4.30 the next morning and then they just want to talk. It just, it, you got to sow that seed though. You got to let that happen because, because that's, that's the time. Conditions are not right, but it's the time you're going to want to reap. You're going to want to have that going on so you can reap later. We also don't sow not only because of laziness and poor conditions, but because of lack of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And some of us, we get paralyzed by our lack of knowledge. I mean, I know there's some of you in here, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but, but you're just the kind of people that if you're going to buy something, you're going to Google stuff for like four weeks. You're going to go to six stores. You're going to compare all the deals. You're going to try to, ah, come on, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many know there's people like, like me out there? Come on, right? And we're, we're trying to get our knowledge. But, but what happens is if we don't decide to keep learning, we're going to get stuck. We're going to get stuck. And, and, you know, I grew up on a farm. You all know that. And so years ago, this is before this latest garden, Kim and I, we decided to have a garden, except I didn't know how to garden. My mom was the gardener. And we had a, we had a garden almost as big as this auditorium, probably about half the size of the auditorium here. Big garden. And I helped in a lot but I wasn't the brains of the operation. I, she said, put the, this there. I put that there. She said, pull that weed. I pulled that weed. You know, I did, so when I got to Texas, I had to, you know, it's all different. I, how, how do you garden? I tried to farm a garden. You can't farm a garden real well in Texas. I had to learn to garden. So, but I had to do all this reading. And so when we started this family garden, we decided to do a different kind of garden. And I spent several nights just reading, reading and learning why? Because I had a lack of knowledge. So just because you have a lack of knowledge, don't let it stop you from what you need to do. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord grants wisdom. From His mouth come understanding or knowledge and understanding. What do you need? You can get it from God. 
God's got that knowledge. You can, you can find it. You may lack knowledge today, but you don't always have to lack knowledge. You can dig in. You can change things. So we don't sow because of laziness and poor conditions, lack of knowledge. Here's a big one, fear. Fear keeps us from a lot of things. Some of us are gifted what-if people. What if? Actually, I didn't put this verse in here, but there's a verse in Proverbs that says, somebody says, I can't go outside. There might be a lion in the streets. Right? You know, just you can what if anything to death. So we can think of all the reasons not to sow, and we don't have time to go there, but read Matthew 25 today, talking about the man who had the one, one talent that the master gave him, and he was afraid that he was going to lose it, so he didn't even sow it. He didn't even invest it into anything. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. It's interesting that a sound mind in the King James is really translated as self-discipline. If you're going to sow intentionally, you're going to have to get some self-discipline. Because uh, nobody else can make you do it. You know, some of you, got, you can't wait till you're 18. And then what, he can make me do nothing. Well, when you get to be 18, you're going to find out the biggest problem is not your mama, not your daddy. It's you. And you're going to have to have some things that will help you make those good choices down the road. Amen? Amen. So if God wants us to sow and God promises us a harvest, what kind of harvest is he interested in? I mean, what does he want? What, what, What does he want? Now, is he interested in your health? Yep, your finances, for sure, your family, your relationships. He's interested in all those things. But but there's something that God wants to involve this church in a lot more. He wants more of this from his place. And it's actually an area that God expects each of us who follow Jesus to sow seeds into this area. What is that? It's God's harvest. God's interested in a harvest of people, of lives transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what, that's what it's about. So what's, what's the deal with God's harvest? Well, first of all, it's his desire. It's God's desire. Look at 1 Timothy 2.4. God wants everyone to be saved. From what? From hell. I don't believe it's real. Well, you can believe that. It's a free country. But the reality is it's, it's, it's real. And, and it's a place you don't want to go. And your place that if you care about others, you don't want them to go. You don't want them to go. He wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus, who gave his life to purchase freedom for who? Everyone. Everyone is, he, the freedom is for, it's not just for us, it's for everyone. This is the message God gave the world at just the right time. Yes, at just the right time, it came, God sent Jesus to die on that cross so that we could have eternal life, not just for ourselves, but others needed to know that, it's, the Bible calls it good news. The good news is that if you were on your way to hell, you don't have to. Right? And it's God's desire that we would have this relationship with Him. He, he doesn't desire that you're religious. He doesn't, God doesn't desire that you follow a bunch of rules. He wants a relationship with you. 
in spite of your challenges, in spite, how many of you created, don't raise your hand, but how many you know you created a mess sometimes? I've got both hands up. We can create our own messes, right? Yet, at the, in spite of all that, how insecure, how, how weak, how frail, how much of a failure you may think you are, God still decided he wants to know you. He wants a relationship with you. That's, in fact, why Jesus came to the earth. And this verse also tells us not as he, only does he want a relationship with us, he wants it with every person, everyone. That's his desire. Well, the interesting thing is that his desire is also our calling. You ever wonder, what's my call? What am I called to do? Is it, is it you know, this career or that career? Oh, that's good, but this is your calling. This is your main calling right here, Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Jesus came and told his disciples, people who attended church, people who were following him, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get tripped up here. This is not a pastor-leader verse. This is a disciple of Jesus verse. If you belong to Jesus, these verses are for you. These verses are part of the purpose of every single believer. And some of you know that, some of you don't. But if you've given your life to Jesus, this is your calling. This is is what you're called to do. And really, if you boil it all down, the reason you're still alive is to do this calling. If you've got breath, this is the number one reason why. You haven't fulfilled that. Well, pastor, pastor, that's, that's why we have you. You know, we just, we just like a pastor because then uh, we don't have to do all this stuff. Yeah, you, you have me for a reason, but it's not the reason you think. My, my reason for being here is to tell you that's your calling. That's your calling. Turn to somebody and say, it's my calling. And tell them it's yours too. Amen. So here's the thing. You have relationships I don't have. You know people I don't have. You're in in settings I'm not in. People receive from you that wouldn't initially receive from me until they receive from you. So what do we do? We partner together for sure. But you may have a bigger role in this process than you really think right right now. And I want you to remember this. Sometimes we can look at this and we think, oh, one more thing to do. No, 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 no. This is not a got to. This is a get to. We get to do this. We get to reach people for Jesus. I don't have time to tell this, but I'm going to tell it. And y'all, some of you have heard this before, but, but, but I gave my life to Jesus at seven. And, and one of the first things I did was I led the neighbor boy to Jesus with a little small Gideon Bible that had one verse underlined, John 3.16. Because I realized that part of even being born again and being saved is that it's not just for me. It's for others. It's for people we meet. And so then what God does, he invite, the third thing about God's harvest is God invites us to partner together with him. We get to partner together. Here's what 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says. Paul's writing here. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It was God. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. 
The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work, for we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. His Place Family Church is not the structure, it's us. We're his building, and we work together. We all have a part to play in it. Apollos was one that watered, but Paul had already planted the seed, but God gave it the increase. He caused it to grow, amen? It's a divine partnership. So I could say it this way. God put it on our hearts, Kim and I, to plant this church. We planted the seed. Now we need a bunch of Apollos to water it, amen? And God to give the increase. That's what needs to happen. So some of you say, well, pastor, where do we go with this? Well, we do what we always do. We pray first. So I want to lead you today through some steps to pray for people. And and I'm calling this message the seed of prayer. Because there is a seed that happens. This is, this is how we reach people. This is, this is how you help prepare people to hear the good news of Jesus. Here's, and it's very practical for where we are, every one of us. Number one, you identify those who need Jesus. Who do you know who needs Jesus? Jeremiah 29, 7, the first part of the verse says, And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. little secret. This earth is not our home. We've been exiled to earth. We're going to, in a very eternal line, there's one little dot, and that's your time on earth. We're just exiles here. So it's not just true for the Israelites, it's true for us. You may not be where you want to be. I don't want to live in Spring, Texas. I don't want to live in Tomball. I don't want to live in North Houston. I'd rather be in Hawaii or, you know, someplace. Wherever you'd rather be, God's got you here now. That means you have an assignment here. You say, well, Pastor, I'm not even living the kind of life I want to live. I'll do it when I get it together. No. While you are here, the the people of Israel were in captivity and exile when that verse was written. And God said, even when you're not where you want to be, work for the peace and prosperity of your city. The rest of the verse says, pray to the Lord for it. For its welfare, listen, isn't this interesting? Its welfare will determine your welfare. People, especially when it comes to politics, and I'm not going there, but I'll just say this. It's like, man, I hope they fail. No, I hope they succeed in the right things. Amen? Because it affects all of us, right? So pray. you got to pray. You want to be blessed? Pray for the blessing of the city that you live in, the county that you live in, the nation. Not only work hard, but pray for your city. Why? The condition of the city will impact your condition. God's called you on purpose, for a purpose, to this city. You're not just biding time in Spring, Texas. God's got you on an assignment here. Amen? So the question is, who do you want to experience the blessing of a relationship with Jesus? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not just, that's not a theoretical question. We're actually going to walk that out this morning. Who do you know that you want to experience the blessing of a relationship for Jesus, with Jesus? I want you to think, who, is there a clerk you always interact with at the grocery store, at the dry cleaners? Is there a coworker? Is there a neighbor? Somebody? Who, who, could, who do you know that could benefit from a relationship with Jesus? 
So, Pastor, how, do, how would we even select who those people are in our lives that we're to pray for? Let me give you three things for our purposes. Number one, they live local. They live within 20, 30 minutes of right where we're sitting today. There's many people you could pray for, but who are those people? And then shrink your list a little bit more. Who, who are among those on that list don't have a church home? Well, they say they have a church. I love it when I talk to somebody and say, so, so do you have a church home? Yeah, it's um, um, Pastor, um, okay, that tells me you ain't been there in a long time, and you weren't listening when you were there. Come on. Put those people on your list. Amen? Two thir- Here, here's the thing. Two-thirds of our city have not been to church in the last six months. Have not. Only 12% of the population in Houston is in church on any given Sunday. And if 15% of the population showed up, every church building would be maxed out. The fields are white to harvest. So here's, they live local, they lack a church home, and they're out of relationship with Jesus. Maybe they grew up in church but walked away. Maybe they, whatever, they, they just, they're not in a relationship so that's, that's anywhere between one-thirds and it's really about two-thirds of our city. Two-thirds. Two out of three people you'll meet this week qualify. So who are these people? These people are targets for God's blessings. Amen? Deuteronomy eleven twelve 12 says, Land that the Lord your God cares for, He watches over it through each season of the year. I don't know about you, but I believe God cares for our city. And the way he cares for our city is by how we care for the city. He cares for it through us in every season. So what season is it? We're in planting season. We're in sowing season. So who are the people that come to mind? You say, well, I don't know. I have to think about that. So we're going to help you. You that are sitting along the, the side right here, reach under there and grab that bucket. Just grab that bucket. There's a bucket under there. I want you to take two of the cards out of there. Every person, take two of the cards out of there and just pass it on down the row. Take two, pass it down. Take two, pass it down. Everybody just take two, pass it down. Amen? Amen? So we've got a little card to help you. Amen? Y'all are doing good. You're doing good. All right, so... So here's the question. Who should be on that list? People who live local, don't have a church home, don't have a relationship with Jesus. I want you to take a pen because there's pens in the seats in front of you. And I don't need the first name or I don't need the last name, but, but put the first name on there. Just whoever comes to mind. And you say, well, I don't know. It's somebody that lives on the corner over there. Yeah, put their name down. I've, I've had on my list the corner house, Right? I did just start putting that, putting that, and then I want you to write the same names on the second card. Here's why. You're going to keep one, and you're going to turn the other one in, and I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to believe God with you. Amen? Believe God will do something in the lives of those people. So I want you to think about who, who are the people that I know that need Jesus? Who, who's that coworker that comes to mind right now? Who's that person that needs a relationship. With, how about that neighbor? How, 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 about, how about the people you don't know? Put some of those down. Just describe them. 
Anybody got friends? Put some names down. Put some names. Who, who lives close, right here, close, within 20, 30-minute driving distance? Amen? Put their first names on that card. All right? And you can keep thinking of names, but I'm going to keep moving in the message because we've got a little ways to go yet. Are you ready? So here's a little secret. What I'm about to tell you is on the back of the card. So you already got the notes. All right? So here's the second thing. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. That's what we've got to pray. Begin, begin praying for them every day. Pick a time when you read your Bible. Maybe it's on your morning commute, and you just stick that thing in your rearview mirror, and you're just, you know, you glance up, you're looking up anyway. Okay, Sally, okay, now we're going to pray for Fred. And, and you just keep going through that list and just praying for those people. Pray as you think of them. God puts you on, uh, them on your heart. Pray for them. This week, I want you to pray, 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 pray. Everyone say pray. Pray, pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. See, the best prayers are the ones that already align with God's plans. Here's what John 6, says. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, Jesus said. So when we pray that the Father draws them, we're cooperating with God. That's already his desire. We're praying that they would come into relationship with Jesus. Do you believe people are truly blessed when they have a relationship with the Lord? I do. It'll change their whole life. So pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. And then the number three here on our, our message list, but number two on your list, is bind the spirit that blinds their minds. Now that sounds spooky. Spirits? Ghosts? What's going on? We don't have time to get into all that, but it's not spooky. Here's the thing. If you belong to Jesus, you have spiritual authority in the name of Jesus. You have authority in the name of Jesus. So you can simply pray in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, I bind that spirit of whatever that blinds their minds. There's all kinds of things. They, they may be in, in lust. They may, may be, uh, you know, just pursuing money. And, and it's got them blinded. An idea. Here's what 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says. Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. It's not circumstances. It's not trauma. It's not what some church did or what some person did. It's the devil. Now, the devil used that incident or those incidents. He uses them to get some ideas planted in there because somebody will come along and give them a good lie that they'll grab a hold of. But really, it's the devil that's blinding their minds. And so we've got to understand that when the blinders come off, people can see the goodness of God. See, the problem is they can't see it because they got that blinder on. They can't see how good he is. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 says they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ who is in the exact likeness of God. See, when people begin to see what God is like, it's going to change everything for them. Got to get those blinders off. In fact, I believe that when people really see how God is, they don't, you, you don't have to drag them bucking and screaming. They're going to want to go. They're going to want a relationship. I mean, who wouldn't want a relationship with a God that's paid the price for every sin you've done? Who could turn around your life? No matter what you've been through, you don't have to live in sadness and depression anymore. You can have joy. You can have peace. Yes, there's oppression of the enemy, but God's greater. 
Man, when you get a hold of that, it changes everything. And then loose the spirit of adoption. I love these verses. Romans 8, 15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. See, a lot of times in our world, people have the mindset, well, if I give my life to Jesus, it's just religion and rules and rah, rah, rah. That's that, that's that lie they believe. The Father's not drawing us to himself to enslave us. He's drawing us into relationship with him. He's drawing us into a spiritual family where we're known, where we're loved, where we have purpose. Look at the next part of that verse. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Some of us, we have that orphan, some have called it an orphan spirit. We're just, we just, just keep everything at a distance. God wants to know you are adopted. You've been accepted into his family, that you belong, you settle that. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. How awesome is that? Tremendous. So we can pray that God would put such a hunger in them that they would, they would want to be part of God's family. And then when they join his family, that they would see that they're sons and daughters, like the Bible says, of the Most High God. Amen. Listen, listen, when you get that idea that you really belong in the family, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did, it changes you. It marks you. You live different. Thank you, Amen. Some of you need to get that on yourselves. Amen? Amen. And then number five, Ask God to send believers to cross their paths and enter into a positive relationship with Him. They've had enough of the other. Amen? See, people come to faith in Christ more often after positive interactions with believers in Christ. The people we care about need to see, see that from us, and we need to pray that God would send others across their path like that. Be, be a great friend. Listen, some of you like to debate. I'm the guy in my family that if somebody says A, I say B. It's to see what goes down. That was me as a kid. Some of you all like that. But I just want to tell you that that doesn't lead people to Jesus. Your 48 reasons why God is real may be good, but maybe back it off a little bit and just show them first how much you care about them. And, and it's, it's, you, here's, here's what we got to do. We gotta, we're trying to win a friend, not an argument. Don't debate them. Just love them. Be a great friend. Encourage them, right? Matthew 9, 37, Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So what you're praying here is for God to send somebody else into your, the person you're caring about. Help them take a step because not just you, because of somebody else. Other believers. Amen. Sometimes, you know, sometimes somebody else can say something that will get to help them understand better than, than what you can say. Believe God to put those people in their path. Amen. And then, he, then uh, the Bible records this great prayer from the Apostle Paul, Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may, what? Know Him better. Amen. See, God wants those that already know Him to, to know Him better, but He also wants to know those, He wants those that don't know Him to know Him, right? And so we're going to work on both. So that's why 
we ask God, and here's number six, to release the spirit of wisdom and revelation in them so that they may know God better. Some people say, well, I read the Bible and I don't understand it. Okay. The Bible says that the things of the Scriptures are hidden to those that don't have a relationship with God. Now, there's all th- I have things I don't understand about the Bible. There's still things we're growing in. But you know, the basis of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross and, and forgave our sins and that God raised him from the dead, we can all get that. And that if we put our faith and trust in him, that he'll forgive us our sins and he'll make us brand new, inside out, new creation. Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We don't want just that for us, just for us, but for everyone we know. Everyone on that list you're, make, you're making there. So here's my challenge to us this week. Let's pray for these prayer targets, these targets of blessing all week long. And I'll tell you the next step next Sunday. Let's bow our heads. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we come to you today, and we are so grateful that we could be included in your plan to tell our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers about your goodness. And Father, I, I thank you that you have, a, you have a plan for us that we don't have to go out and, and say a bunch of things and get in places that we don't, we don't even know what we're talking about. We can just start with prayer. We can just start praying, asking you to do these things. So, Father, I pray for every person on these lists that folks made. Father, that you would do a work in them, that you would do these things that we've been talking about this morning. But even more importantly, that we, this church, we would pray. Father, some of us have tried badgering them to you, and it doesn't work. Some of us have tried tried being more stubborn than they are. We've tried all kinds of things. God, we just need your spirit to work. So we invite you. We're going to do our part in prayer. We're going to set it aside or set some time aside. We're going to pray. We're going to seek you. We're going to ask you to intervene on those for those we love in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Give us the courage. Give us that remind us frequently this week, Lord, to just pray for those. Put some new people on our minds. Lord, that we can add to the list. Pray for them. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're online with us. Maybe you're in the building with us. And you say, you know, you just shared the good news. And I really don't have a relationship with Jesus. Kind of been playing church, kind of been doing this. But I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I need one. If that's you this morning, I want to I just ask you, you say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Would you just, just quietly, I'm not going to ask you to come down, down front, but just quietly just lift up a hand. I need to give my life to Jesus today. Just hold your hand up. See hands going up all over. You say, well, well are you going to call me out? No, I'm just, I just want you to tell God, hey, I, God, I need to surrender to you today. Hold those hands up. All right, I see them. Let's put those hands down and let's go to the Father. You that are believers, say this with those that lifted their hand. Say this with me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I turn away from that old life. And I turn to you. God, I believe that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. 
every single one of them. And God, that you raised him from the dead. And so today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord. I ask you to be my Savior. I surrender to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.